0: Luke chapter 2, this will be our Christmas message. We really had a great time last night here, fellowship. We stayed here and talked, I think I was here till 9. And then we went outside into the parking lot, and we were still talking in the parking lot, laughing till telling missionary stories, crazy missionary stories. And I realized we probably need to curb back on those scary missionary stories because we don't want to scare people off or scare people's wives from allowing their husbands to go on this mission trip with us. Luke chapter 2 and verse 13. And Let's look at this together. I just want to say four things this morning. Number one, that we have peace with God. That peace, number two, is a person. Number three, there's no striving in the peace of God. And number four, uh, peace with God is supernatural. And these are the four things I want to say. Let's start with Luke chapter 2, verse 13. And read this with me. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And you know, this is interesting to note when you read this carefully, how Christian culture that is, has, we've created this culture of holidays and Christian ceremonies and customs that in some cases are not even biblical and we hold fast to these like it's our religion. And I want to note something about this verse before we go on that the announcement of Christ's birth was not a symphonic announcement by nature, but it was more of a militaristic air about it. Now what do I mean by that? Well, the host of the heavenly host of angels, okay, has a meaning of not just angels with horns with wearing long robes, and singing in clouds, but it had, it's a picture here is a in an army of hundreds of thousands of angels all saying, it says saying, the same thing, and they're speaking. They're not singing, they're speaking, and they're shouting. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a stadium of like 40,000 people. How many of you have been? Like, I mean, just, you know, everybody is like shouting, and it's like this roar, and like you can feel the bleachers shaking, and but imagine that when everybody's saying the same thing. And they're saying, and the angels here are saying in an angelic voice, not human voices, but angelic voices are probably so much more powerful and so much more stronger with so much more authority from God. And they're saying, glory to God, glory to God in the highest and, and, and on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. They're speaking. This must have been a thunderous announcement of the, of the birth of Jesus Christ. So the first thing I want to say this morning is that we have peace with God. I woke up this morning, and just as it was prayed earlier this morning, um, we have peace with God in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Let's, let's read that together. Can somebody open that and just read it out? The first person that gets the verse, just read it out. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. justified by faith, right? Not justified by works, not by just not justified by keeping the traditions of men, not justified by keeping cultural laws that we've created, but justified by faith. We have peace with God. Billy Graham wrote a book years ago and it just the, the title of the book I love it, you know, the Peace with God. We have peace with God. The whole chapter of Romans chapter 5 is about the peace of God that is that is so powerful, and it's so it's so long lasting. And there's just three beautiful things about peace. Number one, that God is at peace on His throne. I woke up this morning. I was brushing my teeth, and I was just thinking, God's at peace on His throne about my life. He's at peace on the throne about your life. God's not fretting and worried about Robert Robert's life. You know, like God's not fretting about Eduardo or Michael's life. God's not like in heaven worried about things. You know. I don't know if you've ever been in a place of running a business or just a place of of authority where you're overseeing a lot of people. And there's just times where you're sitting down and you're fretting. You don't have peace maybe sometimes. And I think that that could happen on the church level, that a pastor or someone that's leading something in a church or someone that's involved in a church or just in ministry or even in family or business, we can lose our peace so easily when we forget that God is on his throne. he's He's at peace. God's, at, God's happy. He's relaxed in heaven. He's not fretting. He's not worried like, oh, my God, I can't believe. What are these people doing? Like, I told him, you know, think about Jesus here. He, he resurrects, and nobody's there except for a woman, you know? And everybody's leaving on the road of Emmaus to out of Jerusalem on, on, right after the resurrection. And, like, God, is God wringing his hands in heaven like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Like, it wasn't supposed to go this way. No. God's at peace on his throne, Number two, we have peace with God. We just said that. We have peace with God. And number three, therefore, we are at peace within ourselves. And this is really what I want to talk about this morning. I want to hone in on this is that we have peace within ourselves. We have peace within ourselves. This is not a peace that is an absence of conflict. Okay? Spiritual peace, peace that comes from God, is not an absence of conflict. Many times, like I remember when my dad got saved. And he was one of the last people in my family to get saved. My mom was saved. I got saved. I led my brother and sister to Christ. Uh, my other brother got saved. And my dad got saved. And I just remember that as soon as I mean, we had a good, you know, good American life. middle class. My dad was, he was a salesperson. He was a very educated person. He is, but I say was, is. MIT graduate, Northwestern, North, North, uh, Northeastern in Massachusetts, worked at um, General Hospital in Boston. Just a very smart guy, very smart guy, very smart. I don't know what happens with all those genetics. <laughs> but uh, well, I don't know if we got any of those, any of the kids. But I just remember, like, um, as soon as he got saved, everything in our family just went crazy, just went nuts. He lost his job. Um, we lost the house. We lost everything. The, our entire life changed as soon as my dad got saved. And my dad was so on fire for God. He was he was studying the Bible. He was memorizing scripture. He was probably the most, most on fire guy in the Baptist church that we were going to. And um, he was just asking the pastor questions all the time. And I remember sitting in one of those sessions and the pastor really had no, no answers. My dad was so hungry for God and everything just went berserk because but because, because spiritual warfare, for the first time in our family, we began to experience spiritual warfare. So peace is not the absence of conflict, nor is it peace is not passive acceptance. Christianity is not like, oh, I passively accept all of this. Like, I'm at peace with everybody. Just let it be. No, Jesus said, I did not come to send fleshly peace, but a sword. And so when we look at peace, we have peace with God. We have peace with God. I'm at peace with God today about his plan. I'm at peace with God Today, about what he's doing in this church. I'm at peace with God with what he's doing in your lives. I'm not at home. Sometimes I think, as a pastor, we can just get really worried about people. We can. We just, and if you're a pastor's wife, you know what I'm talking about. Like, you get those conversations at home, like, honey, I don't know what's going on. I'm frustrated. This, what is going on with this person? What's going on with this situation? I'm so angry about this, or I'm so disappointed with this situation. How many of these conversations have you had? Or maybe you've heard these kind of conversations. We have this peace with God because. Peace is not just a state, okay? It's not a circumstance. And this is the second point. Peace is a person. Peace is a person. And we got to look at it. When we talk about Christmas peace, it's funny because after that message we preached about Jolly, you know, that sign Jolly that I saw? It's no longer there. I don't know what happened. Did one of you guys take it down? Like, I don't know. We just, it's like, the wreath is still there, but like, you know, the word Jolly is no longer there. And it's like, huh? I think Tony went there and took it down or something. But it's like peace is a person. Let's look at Ephesians two verse fourteen. Does somebody want to read that? Ephesians two verse fourteen, chapter two verse fourteen. If you got it, just read it out. Ephesians to God in and He Ephesians two fourteen. That works. So <laughs> Let's review that verse again. It's Ephesians. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Okay. Let's try Ephesians two verse fourteen. Anybody else? I was wondering, like, what version is she reading from? <laughs> Ephesians two verse fourteen. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall partition between us. He is our peace. How many of you think that Pastor Adam should just should record reading the Bible and okay. just just be the? <laughs> he is our peace, who has both broken down. He has, has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. How many walls today of hostility exist because we don't, we miss the point that he's our peace? How many social walls are we living in? How many ethnic walls do we live in? Because we don't, we don't get that he's our peace. And we're trying to, we bring in all of these human propositions and human opinions and this is what we gotta do and economic things. And, and really the issue is, is that he is our peace, he's broken down the wall. You know, I I woke up this morning, and this rarely happens, but I just had, you know, um, I just had this rush of just all of these thoughts. Just, and I just started, and I just sat down, just immediately started writing them down. And this is one of them. Peace is pregnant with power, and can give birth to a miracle in the midst of great chaos. It doesn't need the stage to be set; it sets the stage itself because of who peace is in the sovereign plan of God. The peace of God is a person, and it's pregnant. Jesus Jesus Christ was born with, with a couple, Joseph and Mary, who were pregnant with a vision and the power of God's plan. The truth is, is that we can't have peace and also live with a preconceived idea of what everything should look like. As much as we'd like it to be, peace is not in the outcome peace is a person. You know, Jesus is our peace. When we talk about peace, do you remember when do you remember when Jacob dies and Joseph and his brothers are in Egypt? I remember the conversation that Joseph's brothers had. Dad is now dead. Now will Joseph pour out his wrath because Jacob is dead, because our father is dead. The absence of a person in this circumstance a, prompted the brothers to think that our, that our peace with our brother and our, and our good situation here in Egypt is going to change. Our peace with God never changes because Jesus died, and guess what? He rose from the dead. As long as Jesus is alive and as long as Jesus is on the right hand of the Father, we have peace with God. That's never going to change. Our peace with God is a person. It's not a state. It's not an emotion. It's not our circumstances because that's going to all change, and guys, I wish I could be one of these preachers that say, hey, you know, blessings coming, just claim it. I wish I could say, hey, it's going to all be good, let's not worry. I wish I could be one of these guys that said, hey, you know what, we're going we're gonna to blow up and we're going to be amazing and all of, all of Magnolia is going to get saved. I wish I could be one of these, I don't know if I wish I could be one of these guys, but I'm not, I can't say that because, um, you know, what's coming, I don't know, and I don't want to be a doomsday person. I don't want to be these guys that get, you know, they get older and then everything looks bleak and... But I just want to say that our hope, I was just driving here this morning thinking that God's going to dismantle everything that we've created. Our culture, our, our, our Christian, our, our churchianity that we've created, God's going to dismantle everything that we really put our trust in. And maybe he's already started doing that in a big way. He's going to dismantle it. And maybe that's already, maybe this has been the last 20 years of your life, like God's dismantling things, um, <laughs> this banner here is like it, it could get dismantled it could dismantle. And if you hear a really loud sound, it's that collapsing. So, God's going to just dismantle. God's in the business of dismantling anything that we put our trust in, right? You know, anything that and you know, my wife and I have lived in a country where the infrastructure infra- infrastructure falls apart and there's nothing. There's nothing in, there's no police really on the streets. Everything shuts down. The money of the country is just like, you know, you have millions of like you like you have denominations of currency that are in the millions, you know, like 10 million banknotes to buy a (coughs) loaf of bread. I mean, we, we lived in a country like that. And what happens? God dismantles everything till Jesus is only left. And this is really what God has to do sometimes because. We put so much of our hope and our and our confidence and our peace in something that we feel that we can predict, that the stock market's going to be up, or that my car is going to start in the morning, or that my neighbor is going to be you know nice to me, or that you know our, we will live in a stable country. Things can change, but you know something. One thing's never going to change, and that's Jesus Christ and God. And this is what happens: is that God has to dismantle any belief system and any trust system that is not Christocentric, where Christ is not the center of it. He may have to dismantle a family. He may have to dismantle relationships in your life. He may even have to dismantle our health. But he does that, not that we, he desires us to be in a place of pain and destruction, but where, we can, where it's just us and Christ alone where we can discover the true peace that we have. The third thing is, is, is um, peace is the absence of striving, Let's look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Again, I'm going to ask somebody to read that. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Anybody got that? Verse 3 of Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than himself. And there's a few things I want to say about this verse because. I think when we think of strife, we think of arguing, we think of conflict, we think of, of um, all of those things that that relate to that. But striving is a word that we use to describe a person that doesn't understand that they have peace with God. We strive. You know what I mean? Striving. We use that in a good sense sometimes, like strive to be, strive to you know in excellence, strive to be a good student, strive to be a great athlete, strive to be a good you know be successful in what you're doing. But striving here in Philippians chapter two. Is really a word, we see the word strife. And strife is something, striving is something that happens, um, strife and vainglory happen when the motive of our life is driven anxiety, where I'm just driven. You ever meet a driven person? Have you ever been driven? I've been driven. Have you ever, you know, a driven anxiety that comes from a lack of peace? It just means I don't have peace, and therefore I gotta go do something. I gotta get up, I gotta get out there, I gotta do something, you know, and that's just our American mentality. You know, it's just like, hey, get out there, um, improve your situation. Um, many times it's motivated because of the lack of peace with God. Just, um, just lack of peace. I don't have peace. Or maybe like even in, in the body, you know. You know, I was saying, we were talking last night with Billy and some others. You know, I think when the message is right, and by the grace of God, we really try to preach the whole counsel of God here, and we really ask God to help us with that. But when the message is right, you're not going to have a cookie-cutter um, body where everybody's the same in every way. And I, I, Sometimes we talk with, with it, pastors and individuals, I'm like, how do we get more diversity in our church? And there's no way you can do that. You can't get more diversity. You just, pre- you just preach Christ, the whole counsel of the multifaceted grace of Christ, and you're going to have a multifaceted group of individuals. But the, the cool thing about that is that it's messy. <laughs> when you have people that are like a wide range of personalities in this room, just in this room, you know, we're not all white, Anglo. And I, I don't want to make race an issue here. But we're just a wide range of, of just personalities and ethnicities and accents and just backgrounds and social and economic backgrounds. And, and, uh, and, and that's the beauty of the gospel of Christ. But when you have that, it's a little messy. And sometimes people get rubbed the wrong way, like, oh, that just rubbed me the wrong way. Like, just the tone or the way that was said or the way, you know, that person is like. But you know what's what's really cool is that we can maintain our peace because Christ is our peace. And when that happens, we just take our flesh to the cross. We take our person to the cross. Every Sunday, every Saturday, every time we get together, you and I are, are challenged to take our flesh to the cross and, and if we don't do that, then, then communication, fellowship, communion breaks down. And, and it's no longer authentic, genuine, all the things that churches strive for today. Authentic, relevant, you know, all these cool, cliche words that everybody has in their church, you know, website. Like, you know, this is, I mean, I was looking at this today. You know, like all these cool words we have on this banner, like, you can't do that, we can't do that without you and I taking up a cross, you know? we can't take, I mean, it's like, and you know something, if we are not challenged by one another, then what is it? It's a social club, you know? How many of you have ever been, how many of us have ever been with a group of people, we all like the same thing, we all look the same, we all talk the same, we all make the same amount of money, or don't make the amount of the same money, and we're just doing the same thing that we like to do, and, and, and there's just no diversity, in the body of Christ there's just a wide range of diversity. And it's really cool, it's really messy, and it's not something that you can really control. And that's when Jesus is our peace, there's that lack of there's that lack of striving. A striving, a person who's striving, who doesn't know that they have peace with God, always has this tension, an air of tension around them. And I think all of us have been there, we've done it, and when you're you know, when they're, when they're when they're that you gotta tiptoe around that person or those people. You ever been there? It's that that kind of a person, is, and I've been there, that person is that way. All this tension and stress. Why? Because they're trying to maintain peace that they can't maintain themselves. A striving person lacks a supernatural worldview. This is something that God spoke to me this morning. As a person who's striving, when we strive, we lack a supernatural worldview. We stop seeing the supernatural. Lizzie and I and Tony and Katie last night were talking with Warren, we're just talking about the supernatural world that we live in. I hope I didn't take you guys out. We were talking about some pretty freaky stuff, but like, like you know, how we are in a world like there's this angelic host that's, behind, that's really behind the scenes that is working, that are working in an amazing way. But when we strive, when it's all on us and He's not our peace, everything depends on me. I got to make more money. I got to work harder. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to go cut my bushes. I got to do that this afternoon. Uh, and I'm not striving about that. I can't wait to co- cut my bushes. Um, the striving person, we lack a supernatural worldview. Everything including, listen to this, everything including the, including the work of God uh, depends on them, and it must be maintained by them. We were talking about a conversation last night that, that we heard, Like you're in a staff meeting, and it's like, why, are we not, why is revenue not growing? Um, why did they get to speak and I don't get to speak? Or why did that happen and I wasn't thanked? Or why did this or that? Or the, you know, conversation could be anything. And when we look at the work of God without a supernatural worldview, that it all depends on Christ, and that Jesus is not building His kingdom on Peter; Jesus is building His kingdom on Jesus. Mm. When it's all about me, and when it's all about us, and when it's a, and I'm saying this to myself first, then it's something I've got to maintain. And I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to be a leader. I'm going to be a husband. I'm going to be a business owner. That's stressed out. <laughs> And people are going to have to tiptoe around me because, because I'm not going to be fun to be around, okay? And that's me. I was driving home last night, and I don't know. There's this culture in the driving world, the car world, and I was driving next to this really fast car. I mean, it was like a car, you know these really fast cars. I don't know why they drive them so slow here, but there's this really nice car. And it was, I pulled up, I was kind of driving down Research Boulevard, and I was kind of, I don't know what, what happened. I was trying to go. I, I, I was passing him, but I didn't want to, like, I don't know why I was saying this, but I didn't want to, like, agitate him and he just takes off, you know? I was like, I felt like I had to tiptoe around this nice car, this nice Lamborghini. And I drove by it not to, like, not to disturb it. And, like, why do we think that way? Because I think because we have to feel like we have to maintain this situation, you know, tiptoeing around people. You know, sometimes, Let's not be afraid when the cross offends somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like, the cross in you. Like, don't, let's make sure that it's not our fleshly personality that's just tearing people apart. You know, it's like, because all of us, in our personalities, all of us, every one of us, including, including numero uno here, is that, like, if I'm in my flesh, I'm not, not a fun person to be around. I just withdraw. I get moody. I's like, critical, analytical I get tired, and when I'm like that, my wife says, go to bed. Just go to sleep. You're tired. (laughs) My wife knows how to deal with that. Just go to sleep. Go to sleep. You're tired. Because otherwise, everything in my life looks like I've got to maintain it. And that's not a fun life. And I don't think I could last being a pastor. That's why pastors don't last very long. They don't really last very long. A striving person does not aware that everything in their life is a gift and can be removed in a moment if God allowed it. Look at the life of Job. Everything is a gift. You guys are a gift. Everybody in this room is a gift. And I thank God for you. You know? You guys might think, oh, no, not me. But you guys are a gift. And it's like, and, and you know, we're teaching our son. He's at this stage where, where he gets something in his hand he doesn't want to let go. And instead of ripping it out of his hand, we just talk with him about letting go. You know, like we were last night. I Benji, think Benji, Caleb had, getting, had gotten, been given some candy. Caleb's sitting on the corner there eating where Micah is, and he's just eating his little nerds. Mm. And then Benji came over and Benji wanted some. Oh. And Caleb is like, you know, the flesh came. Out. Caleb's flesh came. Out. I hope Caleb gets to listen to this sermon later. And I
1: was like, okay, hey, hey,
0: let's have a little lesson here about not holding things tightly. I said, I said, you know, Benji's your friend, and I bet he'd love to have one of these nerds. And Caleb's like, oh, okay, you know, and then he lets go and then he gives. I think what we need to learn how to do is not hold things so tightly because you know, we enjoy our blessings. We enjoy our friends. We enjoy our, our lifestyle here in America. But, you know, it could be removed. And I, it's something that we have to understand that It's really a gift of grace. Because a striving person in Jeremiah 17, verse 6, never sees the good when it comes. They just don't see it when it comes. Look at this amazing. It's just like something's going on, and it's like the blessing of the Lord. You know, and we were talking about Cyril yesterday. You know, and everything in her life is just a gift of grace. You know, and you look at her life and think, wow, you know, I don't know if I want to be there in that, you know, in that stage of life. But everything is a gift of grace in our life. The favor of the Lord is just being shown. And so a striving person doesn't see the good when it comes because he's trusting in his own strength. Okay, and the fourth thing and the last thing is is that the peace of God is supernatural. The peace of God is supernatural. Does you want to read Philippians chapter 4, verse 7? And we can read Luke 2 again if we want. Luke 2, 14. <laughs> But Philippians 4, verse 7. Anybody? The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Peace is supernatural. This is another thought that I, I just wrote down. And everything about Christmas is supernatural. It's not magical. You look, at, you look at Christmas and it has this magical feel to it, right? Like mystical, magical. The, the silent night that's so magical. The magical is an escape from the re- reality we live in. The supernatural is a virgin giving birth to the king of the universe in a barn. It is not an escape from reality, but a simple and sobering intersection of reality with the blatant truth that he is real, he is alive, he has a plan, and he's executing that plan. And we must trust him and not the process. You ever hear someone say, just trust the process? Well, sometimes the process goes bad. <laughs> and we find ourselves like dumped off the side of the road like, I trusted the process. or you know? And it's like the process is broken. We live in a broken world. We need to trust the person. And if the process goes wrong, it's okay. There's no, we, don't, we trust the person of Christ. And listen to this. You know, what is given by grace cannot be maintained by the flesh. Like what God gives you, your marriage or your friendships or whatever God gives you in your life can't be maintained by your flesh because it's a gift of grace. It's something that, you know, like here's what happens. Here's Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And there's this amazing event. Jesus is praying, and his clothes start to glow, right? And he's just shining. And it's like the disciples begin to see who Jesus really is from a, from a supernatural perspective, not just physical. And what does Peter do? He just pipes right up. He's let's build it. Let's build a program. Let's just like let's just get something going here. Let's get a let's get a project going. Let's build something over here. And let's build this, and this can be for Jesus, and this one can be this tabernacle can be for Moses and Elijah. And what does God say? He just says, shut up. He says, just be quiet. This is my son in whom hear ye him. And the grace miracle in your lives is something that we can't maintain. And as soon as we try to maintain, it's water through our fingers, right? You know, we look at our relationships. We look at our church. We look at our relationships back home. We look at our relationships here. We, We look at the beautiful blessings in our life. And, you know, the moment we try to possess it, we lose it. Isn't that weird? Just enjoy it. It's like, it's like there's so many illustrations of that. What God has given by grace can't be maintained by the flesh. And number two, what God has given to us by the grace of God is not something that we can understand in the flesh. Can't even understand it. Don't try to analyze your life, okay? Don't try to analyze your family. Don't try to analyze what God's doing. You know, how did we get here? I mean, I don't know. You know, like, how do we get in this cafe? I don't know how that happened. How do we get in this, how do we get to Magnolia? I don't know how we got here. You know, we were just talking to... You know, somebody was asking, like, what's your your strategy as a church plan? I don't know, really. (laughs) Like, we're just going to preach Christ, and wherever that takes us, you know, it's going to be awesome. As if we want to have peace that passes understandings, we have to give up our right to understand everything and walk by faith. If we want to have peace in our life, we have to just give up our right that I've got to understand what's going on. It's okay to say, you know what, I don't know what's going on, and I don't know why this happened in my life. And I don't know why everything's broken right now. And I don't know why this situation is. It's like sometimes, you know, your, your timeline and your story may be embarrassing. You think it may be embarrassing for people. It's not. I don't think that way because nobody thinks that way. And don't compare. Just because you're single doesn't mean that you're any less spiritual than anybody else. I know we're living in the South. And I think in the South, we have this kind of mentality that, hey, look, if you're not married with kids... And like just busting at the seams domestically, then you're not a spiritual person. And until you get there, we'll pray for you. But brother and sister, will be praying for you. But you know, what I think Paul was single, and I Paul was, and I'm happily married. I love my wife. I I don't want to ch- ever change. I don't want to be changed. I don't want to praise the Lord. My wife's back there. Hallelujah. But I think as a single person, you know, you have an you have an advantage that that you know that maybe people don't have, and so you're single. And, and, and I just remember, and I want to I be, I be careful how I say this because I don't want to give you the wrong. I enjoy the presence of God. I love the communion. I, I feel like my relationship with God is richer than it's ever been. But I think as a single person, you have this op, you are in this enforced place where it's just you and Christ. And I just said to some, some of you guys last night, I said, I don't really like the word single. I just don't like that word because you're not single. You're, you're with Christ. You're with God. God is with you. You know, you're not anything less than, 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 someone who's married. Okay, there's nothing. There's nothing less. And so, I think we need to give up. We need to give up our, our right to, that we think that we have to understand everything and just walk by faith in your life, as a single person. Okay. Because when we when we trust the Prince of Peace, we have we have the opportunity to live in something that we don't have to try to understand. I want to close with this. Matthew, sort of Romans 15, verse 13. I'll read it here. Romans 15, verse 13. And I think that this, this verse here has all the Christmas words in it. Listen to this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in what? In believing. You know, that all comes by just trusting God. Like we have joy, we have peace, we have, we have hope because we're just trusting God. It's not, because, it's not because of any political. Um, and by the way, you know, our, I think that in so many ways, our political process is just so out of control. I don't want to get into that today. But it's like anything that's in the world is like can look good and then it suddenly can look, it can look really bad. So our hope and our peace is really in Christ so that in peace, peace in believing so that the power of the Holy Spirit may abound, that you may abound in hope. We have hope today because we have the person of peace in our life, and that's Jesus Christ. And any time we take our eyes off of Christ, we're going to be sinking in the stormy seas of, of the world that we live in. Keep your eyes on Christ. Be a follower of Christ. Walk with Christ. And, amen. And so this is uh, Abigail. And Danny guys. Danny, good to meet you guys. So amen. Any, any comments or questions before we close here?